You're listening to the Nerd to Know Media Network. Join us at nerdtoknowmedia.com. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it's now time for our main event. Take a trip back in time to the golden era of the wrestling world with your host, Chris Tetrold Blaine. Welcome to Once Upon a Turnbuckle. So welcome to another episode of Once Upon a Turnbuckle and carrying on the sort of pride of British wrestling theme that I've had for the last sort of week or so, starting last week with my amazing interview with Marty Jones. I get to welcome one of the stars of today and a guy who um, not only is a British wrestler, he's also a fellow Devonian. So equally, you know, exciting to welcome him for that. Uh, but he's he's gone from the uh, the green fields of Devon to the hallowed halls of WWE and NXT and uh, and back again. So I'm so glad that he's here, sparing a bit of time to talk to us today. Um, formerly known as Oliver Gray in NXT, I welcome Joel Redman. Hello, sir. Hi, how are you? Whereabouts oh. in Devon are you from? I'm Newton Abbott. Oh, so, are you really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Not, I believe Exeter was where you grew up. All no, I was born in Tiverson, but um, okay. my parents have got a farm near, near Credison. Like yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, right. Out in the sticks, so yeah. that's where I grew up. Very cool. Yeah, I, I knew it well. I've had a couple of jobs. I've worked around Exeter a lot of the time that I've been down there. I've lived down there for about 21 years, no, well, 16 yeah. years, but I've been traveling down there for 21 years. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm traveling around sort of Creditor, No Campton, Exeter. Yeah, know it well. Yeah, it's, it's a nice part of the country. I miss, I do miss living down there a lot. Where about you now? Salisbury. Okay, cool. Yeah, so still not that far away, but no. Yeah. No, I'm originally from Basingstoke, so Salisbury, again, not too, too far from sort of my neck of the woods up there. But, uh, Do you ever get uh, down to the Reach Wrestling shows in Plymouth? Have you ever been down to? I don't. No. I, I tell you, um, I've, in my lifetime, which is really odd for a lifetime wrestling fan and now a podcaster, is I've only been to three wrestling shows in my entire life. Um, two of them have been down here. Actually, funnily enough, you are the first guest that I've actually seen live, which is All right. just oh. as special. So I'll, um, I, I saw you in, was Ex- that? that was Exeter Corn Exchange for Global Force when it was over oh, with yeah. Jeff Jarrett. You headlined, I think that night with Nick Aldis for the, the DFW title, if I remember. Yeah, right. I remember that. <laughs> but, um, that five, five years ago? I was about that, yeah, 2016. Yeah, it's yeah. a memorable day because I um I was a writer as well at the time and I was editing doing the last tweaks on my second book that day, lingering around Exeter in Exeter Library, waiting for the show to start. So it's definitely stuck in my mind. Right. Uh, but go. no, I mean the only other shows I've been to was uh Pro Wrestling Pride um that were down there as well. I saw one of their shows in painting. Mm-hmm. Um but apart from that, no, I I WWE was the only other one I've been to years and years ago um but now i sort of mixed when, when nxt came down to plymouth i 
I missed it pretty much, which is bad yeah. form. So, um, August. Yeah. So you know, thank you again for coming along. Um, I, I'm really interested, sort of, to begin with. Let's sort of take it right back to the beginning. Is how did you discover wrestling? Were you a fan before you got into the ring, or wanted to get into the ring? Uh, no, not particularly. We didn't have um, uh, like Sky and stuff when I was a kid, so I didn't watch wrestling as a kid. Um, yeah, just did a lot of judo and played a lot of rugby, and then some friends of mine were wrestlers. Uh, well, they weren't yeah. wrestling fans, so they kind of got me into wrestling that way. Okay. So I started just wrestling on some hay bales in a friend's barn, <laughs> and then awesome. I progressed into getting into a ring. But cool. So there wasn't anyone in particular that sort of you, you saw on the screen or live or anything that that sort of pulled you in and wanted, or, or was there along the way? Was there someone in particular that really inspired you in the beginning? Uh, when I started wrestling, it was Chris Benoit. Was like who stood out to me really is my favourite. Like that was. Yeah. It was the guy that I really enjoyed watching. But I think that's probably from the judo background and stuff. Mm -hmm. and coming from that sort of, yeah, sort of legit stuff to yeah. watch him. It looked real when he really wrestled. So yeah. that really appealed to me. So, I, yeah, people like him and Fit Finley and those kind of guys really cool. were the guys yeah. I really liked. Kurt Angle as well. Kurt Angle fan. So the real, yeah, what we consider like the real wrestlers. I mean, I, it's kind of, I don't keep up with the... the um the current product an awful lot but it does seem to have kind of circled back I was talking to when i was talking to marty jones he agreed on this as well that it, it's a lot of like the old school type sort of flavor to it has, is returning you know to to wrestling there does seem to be more of an onus on the actual athleticism the scientific side of things um yeah. so when you started so just talk us through like the when you first started to get into wrestling training and that sort of where how did you go about that where where did you get to go to to start off so it was meant to be a school in exeter um run by a company called revolution british wrestling and then they sort of pulled out last minute mm -hmm. and so there, was, there wasn't going to be a school uh, i think i was 15 or something at the time or 16 mm -hmm. i said well i'll i'll sort of run it you know and, and we just sort of pay wrestlers to come down and train us at the center on the mat so I met a lot of wrestlers that way, like uh, Andy Simmons and Sammy Ray, and then I met Phil Powers. Um, when I met Phil Powers, he said to come along on the holiday camp circuit, so I started doing that when I was probably 16 or something, sort of refereeing and helping out, put the ring up, and they showed me stuff before the shows. So I kind of went out on the road straight away and learned little bits that they'd show me before we got in the ring, which is really good. Yeah. Um, and then I met the UK kid there too, who was trained by Shawn Michaels, and then he sort of taught me for the start of my wrestling journey okay that's cool i was a massive massive Shawn michaels fan so sort of any kind of lineage down from that is is amazing yeah. for me. so it's oh yeah yeah uk kid was a really good trainer because he'd just come back from Shawn michaels school in texas so like he knew the way he was teaching us was the way they were teaching them out there so it was perfect awesome. you know? it's just really good fundamentals and yeah yeah it was a really good trainer cool so talk about some of the the promotions that you started off with um, I mean, around Devon, because I know, I mean, it seems to be, yeah. or it seemed to be a few years ago, still a hotbed for, there was quite a few promotions around down here. I know a couple of them have sort of, um, you know, fallen by the wayside now, unfortunately. But but back then when you were starting, was there a rich kind of um, circuit for wrestling down in the Southwest? No, there was no no wrestling at all. Um, we, we would then drive, um, so I did that school for a little bit, and then uh, UK Kid opened his own school, so we would drive from... Devon to Portsmouth on a Saturday, train for three hours and then drive back again, you know, and 
like it's a lot of miles to do on your car. And there was one lad who came from Penzance and get a train wow. from Penzance to Exeter and then you get in the car from Exeter to Portsmouth, you know, which is a lot to do in a day. Yeah. Um, but there wasn't, like now there's schools everywhere. Back yeah. then there wasn't. There was like right. a handful of schools. So yeah, you had to travel to be, to learn how to wrestle, which is probably a good thing because it, it just gets the best ones and yeah. the time wasters don't really get involved. So that was a good way of getting into it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it wasn't. There was no wrestling at all in the Southwest. I mean, I started wrestling for UK Kids Company, which is Varsity Pro Wrestling. Right. Did some shows for them. Like I say, I worked the holiday camps um, at that time with Phil Powers, and then did like the odd job for All Star Wrestling. But it was like minehead butlins, and I'd be pulled in last minute, and yeah, it was just like it wasn't like it is now for me. But it was just yeah, like the odd job here and there. Yeah. Um, and then I started working for the FWA Academy, which is where I met Mark Sloan who then trained me, who's the next trainer that I had. Yeah. And from there, kind of, that's my work for like IPW and uh, Pro Wrestling Noah and all these kind of companies and started yeah. to get out more on the scene. Did you have a feel for what you, what you wanted your persona to be? Did you have a character in mind or was it always just really based around yourself? Because yeah. from what I've so, seen of you, it is quite a genuine sort of, you know. Yeah, I've never had, I, you know, I still, definitely that's my biggest weakness as a wrestler and I don't I just really struggle with uh with that side of the business I, I don't think it interests me a lot you know which is not an excuse because everyone should be good at he's trying to be good at every field of it but you know I've always sort of struggled a little bit with that sort of yeah. over the top characters I've never I'm not an over the top person you know I'm a quiet person I'm quite a, quite a shy yeah. person I'm a farm boy from Devon so you know, I can't go out there screaming and shouting. It just doesn't feel very natural to me. No, but then you know, probably probably wasn't something that you wanted to crack out like a hillbilly gym sort of you know, character. It wouldn't have really worked. Yeah, well, I thought about it once. I mean, I tried it like a lumberjack character for a while, but it's I'm clean shaven, <laughs> fell on his ass. But yeah, it never really worked for me. But then sometimes you know, when I work as a good guy for a lot of these companies, I think if you're too over the top, you know, the audience can see through that. If you're yeah. begging for them for their applause too much, it's a little bit. Yeah. It puts you off wanting to cheer for someone. Whereas if someone's more genuine in, in the ring and it can just be a little smile to someone in the crowd or a little yeah. thumbs up or something, that can normally get more emotion out of people than shouting at them, come on, come on. Because, yeah. you know, it's, it's sort of forcing a reaction that isn't going to happen. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm very much... Um, I mean, uh, there's a lot of characters, a lot of gimmicks that have really you know taken off and everything, but I'm very much... It's going to sound odd coming from an 80s, 90s fan, but I'm when it, you could like you say you could see through some of these things where it is being forced down your throat on there i think 1995 i've banged on about before if you look at the product that wwf had and the gimmicks that they were just churning out over then in 96 it was just you know face palming it was just it, why they wandered so far from that but then back in the yeah. 80s you had over you know massive massive characters up there you know that everyone looked up to um top of my head i mean yeah hillbilly gym you know they were still cranking out these kind of everyday sort of characters but it was a bit hit and miss wasn't it whether the fans actually bought it or not I yeah it probably it was probably affected by whatever's happening in a sort of modern culture at the time exactly. like i think maybe yeah. hogan and people and the warrior all took off because we look at films of that era it's kind of mm. they were all larger than life characters that's an 80s sort of vibe yeah. Whereas I think maybe nowadays it doesn't work quite as well. But I think wrestling's changed a lot anyway. You know, once once people realise that wrestling, you know, was a work and that it wasn't it yeah. wasn't that legit, then I think everything had to change really. You you had to start increasing the athleticism and 
working a way around it where people still want to watch this sort of show yeah. and they don't care if it's real or not because it's a show, you know. Yeah, I I very much loved back in the, kind of the mid to late 90s. WCW, I, I, I was a WWF fan growing up. So I hated the fact that I was starting to enjoy WCW around about that time, but they had the cruiserweights, which was the yeah. one thing that really pulled me in every week because it wasn't bogged down in storylines, but the, what these guys could do was so different. You know, and yeah, yeah. had people like Owen Hart before, I suppose, in WWF, but he didn't really have a lot of people to bounce off of that. You know, all of a sudden, yeah. a whole division. And it's just, I don't know, opened the doors, I suppose, for... Yeah. The, I always think people like me said before, like Shawn Michaels and, you know, especially about Bret Hart and stuff, where, mm -hmm. like, it's not, like, over-the-top moves that you might see in some of the Cruiserweight matches, but it just tells such good stories when they wrestle. Yeah. I mean, so, it's so easy to watch because you can really get engaged in what's happening. You, you want someone to win, and they're, like, the best wrestlers when you watch those guys because they're not yeah. throwing away flips, but they're, no. they're just telling really good stories and really good emotion and selling, and yeah. they're just like the masters. I think they, they're the ones that keep it truer to what, you know, I've always argued is the best thing about wrestling. It's like, yeah, okay, fine. As you get older, you do realise that certain things are predetermined and, and decided and whatever. But yeah. it doesn't alter what goes on in the ring. And if it's entertaining yeah. and it's rooted in that as close as you can as, as the sport element of it, you know, makes it more yeah, yeah. legit. Yeah, these sure. these storylines and these, these, these plots and whatever that go completely off the field, that's why it's so easy for some people to turn around and say it's, you know, wrestling is just dire you know and it's just fake. yeah but we so. do this we do the same thing with films right like you know films exactly the same thing you know film the film isn't real but if yeah. it's got a good story to it then it's a great film but when they take it too far in some of these like cgi films you go yeah. oh that was just too much or yeah it puts you off it does I mean, you don't go into a film thinking that you know that is really happening it's just you can suspend your disbelief for yeah, you know, yeah, a couple of hours. You don't go to the theatre and think it's real. It's no. Theatre, it's a show. It's like you should, uh, wrestling's exactly the same. It's just theatre. Like, why people would get upset that it's not real? But I get that from people now when they say, what do you do? I so I'm a wrestler. Oh, it's all fake. You go, yeah, it's a show. Like, I don't... Yeah. It's an insult. I don't understand why... No, but, but what you do, you know, that's not cgi in the ring you know what you do you are actually yeah, of course, doing you know no, so, it's still, a stunt man yeah you're still getting hurt you know yeah i can list off of tons of injuries for him you know and so yeah you know and i play rugby a lot you know when i was younger and wrestling's much harder for me on my body than rugby was you know at least in rugby i wasn't trying to get hit i was trying to avoid <laughs> getting tackled as yeah wrestling i'm kind of letting myself get tackled all the time it's a yeah. different, it's a different thing Sticking with just just sort of before we kind of move on to the next subjects, the, the character thing. I um I look I've, I've looked at a few of your matches sort of floating around the uh, the internet and whatever. And one grabbed me actually was it's credited as being your last one. I'm jumping ahead a little bit. We will come back to the beginning of your NXT run, but it was credited as being your last match um, there for uh, against Mojo Rawley. And you had come back, I think, from from your year or so off whatever it was and you came back and you looked like a heel whereas you had been a fan fan favorite before and you reminded me so much of lord stephen regal that character you know you had that kind of almost like nose in the air disdain kind of thing and i i, I quite enjoyed it i you know it wasn't what i was expecting from you did you have any influence from people like stephen regal back then yeah, I think every British wrestler does when you go there, you know, because he's the guy that you watch yeah. who's been there already and done it. I mean, I probably 
copied them too much in those ones, but <laughs> I was just clutching at straws to see what I could come up with because they weren't, you know, they didn't have any no. plans for me. You just you got to throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks. And, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I was like, when I come back from my injury, it was all kind of like, yeah, go, go, go. We're going to get you, get you rolling, get you back up there again. And then it just didn't happen for whatever reason. That's obviously with the office. I've got no idea yeah. why I didn't want to do anything, but you know, I just tried different ideas at the time with the promos. I was a villain with, uh, Danny Birch, you know, me and him were like a tag team heels. So like we just yeah. had these sort of heel characters and I thought, well, I'll just run with that, I guess, and did that on TV. But yeah, you know, I knew my job again. I don't remember that match at all, but I remember it just being an enhancement match for him, you know, and yeah. just gotta go out there and just uh just do what you can to try and get him over because they have plans for him. So Yeah. So winding it back then, so obviously you you were sort of going through the the independent scene over here. When do you remember when you got the call to say that you were that WWE were interested and you know they wanted you to go over there and, and where did that journey start? I was in Nottingham doing like a training thing so I, I had a wrestling school in Devon in Exeter called Devon mm. Wrestling Association so I took some boys up to like a training big group training thing with FWA in Nottingham um, and Drew McDonald's was there who was a talent scout for WWE right. and he just said you know they've been trying to get hold of you and um, can you send your details, go on this website, but you know, it's, you haven't got to apply. Like they want to see you at the next tryout. So hmm. that's where he told me. And then, yeah, then from there, I just put my details into the website and went along to the next, next tryout, which was in Manchester. I can't remember what year. It would have been hmm. 2011, maybe. Or something. I think it was 2012 when you started with them. So yeah. I was yeah. 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 But um, so you, you went over to, um, yeah, did, uh, did a stint in Florida Championship Wrestling, which I think is, is yeah. like the natural kind of, um, it's like the starting place for a lot of the, the stars that go through. Um, yeah. And then, so you went up to the main NXT roster. So any any early memories? Because I, I think NXT has become a beast of its own now, really. I, I mean, you know, you could consider it a, a completely separate promotion. Um, mm-hmm. What was it like back then in the early days? So FCW was... So I was there when they'd moved. So it was like, when I got signed, there was no NXT. It was like a TV program they did maybe, but it wasn't It wasn't a company yet, it was FCW. So when I went there, there was maybe 20, 25 people, 30 people at the most under contract. Um, and it's like a sweat box of a warehouse. Like it's no air conditioning, it's, it's these two rings. And if they're feeling generous, they might open the shutters for you. But Florida in the summer is stupidly hot. So like it's- imagine. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a hard place to train. And then whilst I was there, it moved to Orlando to the performance center and NXT started its own sort of brand. So I was there during that transition phase. Mm. Um, and then when it went to the performance center, there was like a hundred plus people there, you know, it was much, much bigger yeah. amount of people that were signed to contracts, yeah. which is, uh, it's good. You know, it's good to be in a performance center, but then you're still trying to get out of there because you're trying to get up to the main road. And, oh, yeah. you know, you go from like, one in 30 to one in 100 is yeah. difficult then to stand out. But, but yeah, there's a lot. If you look at some of the talent that, you know, I was lucky enough to be there with at the time, you know, just to be around them and go to work a lot of those guys and wrestle them and mm. learn from them. So, you know, it was, it was a good time to be there. Yeah. And you, you've you got the, um, the credit as being one half of the first ever NXT Tag Team Champions with, uh, with Adrian Neville. And I mean... Again, how how far they did it in tournament fashion, obviously, because there were no champions before that. Um, at what point 
was it decided that you that you guys were going to go over and win the belts or was that the plan throughout definitely mind? i don't think it was the plan throughout because we weren't meant to be in a tournament i think um so i think the ascension were meant to win it and then uh one of the tom latterman is the ascension got released so they kind of needed another team um and i think with with uh, pack you know they just wanted to get him on tv as much as they could because he's just incredible wrestler mm. um, and i'm lucky that i'm I was the ever English guy that was a baby face. So they threw us together as a team and then it just, it just seemed to work. You know, we had a bit of chemistry together and I don't, I can't, maybe we were meant to win it from the start. I don't think that was the plan. I would have thought they wanted the Wyatt family to win originally, yeah. maybe, but you know, they ended up getting to the final and they, they changed their mind and we won it. But I mean, I mean they may have planned for us to win it all along. I wouldn't have, I can't imagine they would have, but. It's, it's a great sort of, I'm used to call it like a Cinderella story when like one, two, three kid and Bob Holly won for that you know, won the yeah. titles for that one day back at back in '95. It's it's that surprise element, which you know, if if you particularly as you got to the final against the White family, you know, so many of the fans were probably expecting them to win, like say, and then it just probably you know, it it, it gives the fans that extra reason to tune in again if it's not predictable. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was it was a good and it was a good reaction. Yeah, in full sale, you know, like the crowd pretty hot for it and stuff so I mean it got overwhelmed yeah it was really good you know I mean I don't it's a bit of a blur now you know because it's a long time ago and you don't remember it but I mean it's nice to think you're the first ever I guess that's yeah. quite that's cool no matter what you know that's in the books isn't it really so that's quite that's cool it. So. that's it and again I I haven't ever really watched a lot of NXT um, um, sort of you know because I've fallen out of it probably you know way before that but um, I've caught up on snippets and everything. And, and, you know, some of the teams, particularly, I think in the early days from, you know, fans that I spoke to, like the, the tag team um, division in NXT was like one of the most respected in the industry, you know, and, and to, to know that your name, like you say, is down on the list of, you know, at the beginning of the list of the, the stars that have worn those belts. Um, so, yeah, did yeah, I see no, as well time. that... Did I see that as well? It was, it was Dusty Rhodes that presented you guys with them at the end you remember? yeah yeah, yeah that was, that, that's a cool touch end. that's a cool did you yeah, get to, cool. did you did you get to like spend any time around him or was he literally just there for that one um that one yeah he was he did our, our promo class he was like one of our coaches so we we do promos with him every week so yeah he was always there yeah, yeah he was always there that's amazing so yeah spent a lot of time with him what but you know the, the coaches there were insane like in my first coach for the first six months or a year was ricky steamboat like you know, to be taught by Ricky Steamboat for that long is pretty cool. Like, wow. It's unbelievable the opportunities that you get from being there, really. Yeah. So you kind of go into fanboy mode when you when you sort of see yourself amongst guys like that and knowing that you, you've got that opportunity to work that closely with them? Or does it just go to the yeah, back I mean, of your head? You try not to, you know, you try and be professional. So, I mean, if you, you just try and... You don't want to have that sort of attitude, but there are definitely times when you... It's yeah. quite surreal, you know. Met the Rock a few times and stuff. Like being the Rock, pretty cool. I mean, you don't think you're going to meet him, but I guess that that kind of makes you yeah. suffer a bit. And I met Vince a couple of times and things like it's quite big. Okay. What was he like in in person? Because again, you were yeah, one, one yeah. I didn't speak to him much. It was just a hello and a couple yeah. of handshakes. You know, it wasn't it wasn't an in depth no. conversation. But yeah, he seemed seemed right. The, the Rock had uh, just a presence about him. You know, I yeah. think me and Pac were in Arizona for the Rumble. And we're like in the main arena bit. We're quite far up the bleacher seats. You just know there's someone in the entrance where you're like looking and it's him. Yeah. You know, it's got that presence about him. I guess that's what the 
the big big stars have got you know they've got that way of just connecting with people without having come to see them you just know they're yeah. there yeah so you, you mentioned earlier on that you've got like a string of injuries that you can you know list out to people who want to argue that this isn't real unfortunately one of them um sort of was quite crucial to i guess your time probably ending there a little bit more prematurely than you think or at least your title run probably um you you was it a torn acl i believe that you mm -hmm. yep. yeah did that occur in the ring or was that something that happened outside that was in the ring <laughs> i was on a house show um with bray wyatt i just went, went for a slam on me i went to land behind him and just tore my knee right but it's just what it is what it is you know but just the timing was yeah was really bad like we just won the belts and we had a phone call about going up to the main road and stuff. So like it was, yeah. we were weeks away from going up and debuting and then you say you need, but that is what it is, you know, like yeah. and at the time, at the time it got me pretty miserable, but yeah. when you look back at it, you just go, well, it's like, I couldn't do anything about it, you know, no. that's, one that's, of those that's when the, the, the belts were dropped to the white family, I believe was it Bo Dallas took your place. And I think so, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, do you know, was were the titles meant to go over to them because the plan, like at that point, because the plan was for you to move on or was that a reaction to the fact that you you were out? I got no idea. All I know is that I had, we had a, the phone call just saying, sort of, what's your tracksuit size for oh. going up to the road sort of things. Like, right. And they were getting them printed for us. And then, so I imagine we were going to drop them and go on up to the main roster, but I don't, I wouldn't have a clue. Like a, no. So what what happened then? Obviously, you were out, I believe, for about a year or so. You know, were you still over there, or did you come back to the UK sort of during that time and sort of bide your time? I was over there. I was over there, um, and you can't leave because you're kind of getting rehabbed out there, and they're paying for all that stuff. And that, that was a difficult time for me. My son had been born in England, and he was about four months old or something. Right. So I kind of wanted to get back and see him because I I couldn't wrestle. I couldn't really do anything. Mm. I'm just sort of sitting there watching training and doing these exercises that I reckon I thought I could probably do those in England. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's fair enough for them. Like they need to keep you there because they want to make sure you're rehabbing properly. So I said to stay there. And okay. that played on my mind a bit. You know, it's all right when you're wrestling if he's the if your kid's a long way away because you go, Well, I'm making money and mm. I'm setting up the future here. But if you can't if you're not really doing anything, you think, well, What am I doing here? You know, I'm sort of wasting yeah. seeing him when just stuck in America. Yeah. When you finally went back, um, again, I got it written down here. I think it was the 10th of April 2014, you returned to NXT. And then only about three weeks later um, came the announcement that you had been released. Um, again, do you have any thoughts or knowledge on, on what, what the, the thought was behind that? Why they let you go? Was it the injury or... or just, I have no idea. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. I, know. I know the day before. I think the coaches know a day before or something. And mm. Robbie Brookside's one of the coaches there. And like the day before, he just had me get in the ring and he just keep firing people into me. And I'd sort of out wrestle them on the floor and just sort yeah. of tie them up in some knots. And then he gets another one of their top lads in. I do the same thing. And I think that was like his little way of just trying to give me a last ditch effort to try and yeah. get them to see something. But their mind was made up. Yeah, yeah, who knows what it is? You know, it could be anything. I could have just annoyed someone. And, you know, who makes a coffee? Oh, I don't know what it is. Like, <laughs> you, you can't tell. Like, it's not, so not knowing. You know, I suppose. Yeah. It's, yeah, you're like walking on eggshells there because you just you don't know if you don't you could do something wrong. They could be testing you. You could fail the test they were putting on you. Like, it's really difficult yeah. mentally being there. It's pretty harder harder mentally than it is physically in a way because you. Yeah. It's like a bit of a game you got to play. 
which I didn't play very well, I guess. So politics, I, I'm sure there's, I'm sure it's riddled with it out there. You've got yeah. to play the game. I think that's just business. I don't think, I'm not yeah. saying that's WWE. I think that's any business. Mm-hmm. You no, know, in any line of work, it's, that's the way it is. You know, yeah. A lot of it's about making connections, and I probably didn't make the connections I needed to make. And that yeah. probably stems from just not being a loud person, you know. And yeah. I'm not. I was. I don't want to tarnish all Americans with the same brush, but there's a lot of Americans that are quite loud and they are quite outgoing people, and they're sort of be chanting the trainer's name when they walk in the room and. Right. Me being an English person, it's just not. I don't think any English people do that. You know, it's just not what we do. I think we're known for just being miserable. And but they they read it the wrong way. In their their head, you think they think you're immiserable. You don't want to be there, but it's not. That isn't the case. Just you just you you like to watch what's going on rather than you haven't got to be the centre of attention. No, it brings me on to another point. I suppose as well is is there seems to have been a resurgence, particularly in the last few years for you know british stars really making it i mean you look at nick oldis as the nwa champion you got will osprey now as the new japan champion and what drew mcintyre and, and sheamus for example they've done over there in your opinion what is it is it more sort of that culture that we bring that it may have kept british guys down from positions like that before or do you, what's what's your opinion on why it's taken so long really for for british wrestlers to to break through in you know i don't in, know i think maybe Maybe where they're like American or Japanese companies, they're obviously going to try and look for American or Japanese guys to be their headliners to start with. It's kind of a patriotic thing, I guess. It just mm. takes a while for us to to break that cliche. But I think British wrestlers are so good that at some point they got to notice us. You know, and mm. that's happened now. Yeah. And those people that you mentioned there are a top of their game and what they do. You know, there's no one better. So no. that's why they are where they are. And I don't. Have you seen a difference? I think Will, Will, Os- Will Ospreay's, there's no one like him, you know, so they, no. they want that kind of champion and there's no one else they can pick. And the same with Drew, like Drew's hands down probably the best heavyweight in the world. So if you're going to put a heavyweight championship on someone, mm. it's got to be Drew, whether he's Scottish or not. It's just, just he is the best. Yeah. Do you feel that there is, in what you've seen over your years, sort of when you started off in the UK to where it is now, um, there's been that much of a noticeable difference in the industry over here, or is it just the fact that it's become more mainstream to people like myself being able to see it more? Avenues? Yeah, it's changed a lot. Even when I came back from America, like when I left to go to the States to when I came back, it just changed completely. And it's probably your companies like progress and then what Rev Pro were doing and stuff. Just, I think with the whole social media and sort of videos going online a lot more now probably helps a lot as well. Where you, I remember when I started wrestling, it was tape traders and yeah. VHS tapes of some American indies, you know, like you didn't get, you couldn't watch it online. And then when I came back, everything's on these like pivot share or on demand or something. You can see it all then pretty easy, you know, just, mm. yeah. So that's helped, that's helped expose British wrestling, which is really good. And it's got more mm. eyes on it. Yeah. And then obviously NXT branching out over here. Everyone I think has got almost like something to aim for now, and they, the WWE doesn't seem okay. like, that far away um, oh it couldn't be better yeah, yeah it couldn't be better i mean when i went out there it was rare to anyone to mm. get signed you know it was really unlikely to get signed and yeah so it's kind of like really hard to get there but mm. now you think how many people there are at nxt uk and that's going to be a revolving door that like they're going to want new people yeah. that's what they do yeah. that's, that's how their company works is they yeah bring you in if you don't produce they get rid of you get someone else and they just keep trying until they find a stone cold or a rock or something yeah. you know might, might seem a bit of a random connection, but this just kind of gone off in my head because of subjects that I've discussed previously. Um, how much do you think 
um, the the fall of WCW, and you know that competition no longer being there for the WWE changed how they worked because it always used to be, like you said, more difficult to get in there. Um, and people say nowadays that the reason WWE are trying some of the things they do is because they don't really need they, the, the fans' opinions don't really matter like they used to because there's no one else touching them anyway. Yeah, yeah. Do you feel that that was a big turning point sort of back then when that happened? Yeah, I suppose it's bad for business. I think they need to have competition. Everyone's better when you've got competition yeah. against you. That's when you've got no competition, you're just going to get a bit stale and mm. you're not going to keep improving and changing. So, you know, I, I, but then I think like anyone of my age is going to look back and enjoy the 90s rest, wrestling more than 2010. I thought, you know, trust yeah. me, that stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, it definitely affected it. In terms of getting out there to a big company and being British, it was harder because you only had one company. Yeah. You know, some of the other British guys that went out for WCW and stuff. So there was more options in those days. But yeah. Yeah. They seem to be a bit more open to it. And, but uh, hopefully this AEW can, you know, produce yeah. something and, and get up there and be competition it's, for them. I know. Yeah. You know, TNA Impact tried it. I mean, Impact's still going. I know it's, um, but I, th- I think back in the day when the early days of TNA, when Jeff Jarrett was there, they were really hoping, or yeah. I was hoping that that could be the new WCW. It, it yeah. You were hoping, but they, they just seem to be just throwing money at things rather yeah. than producing good content. They were just chucking, who can we sign next? Who can we sign next? So yeah. Hopefully AEW don't do that. And they just, which they don't seem to be, they seem to be mm. producing a good show, you know, which is what's yeah. the matter. Of it. Yeah. So touching on Jeff Jarrett then going back to the, 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 the common kind of, you know, what tied me to you, I suppose, is when, uh, when Jeff Jarrett brought Global Force over here, how did do you remember how, that, how you got involved in that? I think Nick dropped me a message and just said, would I be free to work this date? Um, and then just went along and worked the show. But Was it just that yeah, one I don't you never, did on that tour? The just the one, yeah. Oh, okay. I think because I'm a Devon boy, because I'm a hometown boy, it was like, I think he, he was trying to wrestle mm. someone. He had like three shows in England, so he, he was wrestling a hometown person on each oh, show. When he came down to Devon or the Southwest, it was, oh, yeah. we'll be able to get a job because it's, it's down that way. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I got a good feeling at that show that Global Force, you know, it felt, I'd seen like, a, a, again, like an independent show down here, but that really felt like it was something special because there were guys there like yourself and Jarrett and Nick Aldis and that, and it was a great way for someone like me yeah. to get to it's see. It's great for me. Yeah, it's yeah. great for me. Like to get in there with Nick, you know, and learn stuff from him and then yeah. to be backstage with people like Jeff Jarrett so you can pick their brains and ask them and see what they're doing. yeah. What should I do differently? I mean, that's that's what you want as a wrestler. It's those yeah. kind of people around you, people that are better than you, so you can ask them for their advice and they can help elevate you. So it's, yeah. it's great for me. It's great, you know, to go and do. Is My that... mate yesterday worked uh, Jeff Jarrett. I he think. did, so yeah. Great for him, like yeah, real cool person to work. Yeah. Is there anyone that you kind of you're around? Because obviously you're still active, which we'll come we'll come touch on in a minute. Um, is there anyone? In the UK, as you're doing the circuits now, that you sort of you still find you go to, I don't know, for advice or validation or anything like that, or or are you now passing that on your knowledge on to to others that are coming up? Uh, I try and just learn for everybody. Like this, everyone can show you something or teach you something because wrestling is no right and wrong way to wrestle. So mm. you take those opinions on board because you know different. You might they might see something differently to you. So yeah, yeah, I just try and try and ask everyone for their advice um main guy for me is a guy called james mason and you know james is like just the best you know it's so like I, I i always make a big effort to he does the rings for brian and i'll always be there 
straight away doing a ring for him and taking it down and trying to do whatever I can to help him and in turn he kind of helps me and he'll give me honest advice on my matches but cool. yeah anyone really I mean I always try and if I ever get like a Johnny Kidd or a Steve Gray I quite often at the shows or any of these sort of old British wrestlers because that's mm. the style that I really love so I'm always going to pester them for advice or tips or yeah. little tricks and reversals they can show me and you know when I go to Japan and stuff they want me to do a British style so I always try and Okay. take stuff from people like Johnny Kidd and I'll be like oh, can you show me a wrist stop reversal that people don't know or they've forgotten and he showed me something and I can take that to Japan and they'll just that's the best thing for them and I can do that all tour in every town this one reversal but it'll get a good reaction so. I bet they love that as well you know they they can they can still pass on their tricks and their knowledge you know these days it's yeah, it's, it's something that's missing a bit with wrestling now. You know, like I mean, when I started, you just asked everyone for advice because yeah. that's how you got better. And mm. yeah, now, I mean, there was obviously a lot of boys do still ask for advice, but sometimes I think maybe they they could ask more and ask more people their opinions yeah. because it's the only way to get better. You know, if you mm. think you know it all, then it's wasting your time. You, you yeah. want to keep learning and keep improving. Sure. And always ask people if there's somewhere you want to be and they've been for that place, then find out what they do because if mm. they they must be doing something right because they got there. So. Absolutely. Oh yeah, cracking. Yeah. So just after your um, or sort of you know a few years after you you left WWE NXT, you spent some time like you mentioned that in Japan for All Japan. And um, yeah. what what was what was your time out there like? Because I'm always intrigued speaking to people because you know when I was growing up, I didn't know a lot about the you know, the Japanese wrestling except what I saw in Eurosport, and it was at the time completely different to like the comic book stuff happening over over in the states and that but yeah what was it like for you being out there that's the best place i've ever wrestled like i just love the culture like the people and, mm. you know it's just for me it's love it like they're so disciplined and there's no trouble there's no problems and mm. the locker room is very quiet and it's like a, like a real sport they treat it like a real sport you know? yeah. there's a lot of respect for you as a professional wrestler when you go there you know and yeah. i really like that and you might get like three ever foreigners that are with me. So there'll be like four of us and kind of stick like a little bubble because yeah. most Japanese guys don't speak any English and my Japanese is very, very, very limited. So it's kind of like a little tight little group of us and we look after each other and find the local gyms and yeah, it's, it's just really good fun. Cool. It's like a different world. You know, you go to America, it's like a, England's with a volume turned up and then yeah. when you go to Japan, it's like completely foreign like foreign lands you know yeah. everything's different the food's completely different culture's different but yeah i really like it you could probably see it's good. so many big the, the american names spent so long out there rather than when they could have been back in america doing you know shows for yeah yeah wcw or whatever they prefer to stay out there you know, yeah it's a great place to learn too like mm. it's just just yeah. amazing amazing culture it's hard like it's really hard work and i'm lucky that with all-star and stuff i get to do tours that are everyday wrestling so i'm kind of used mm. to that schedule of wrestling every day yeah. i think some people go to japan and then they in japan you know it's a hot it's a full-on schedule and yeah. they get burnt out you know i'm kind of lucky and i get away that like i've been brought up in that british wrestling sort of circuit where we do a lot of shows so yeah. i can get used to pacing myself and saving myself a little bit for the certain matches and yeah, yeah. my conditioning's at a level where it can keep going but Ooh. Yeah, it's a really good place to go. I mean, every young wrestler should be trying to get out there and do a bit of Yeah. Yeah, doing a bit there. You know, I, like, I just think now, with, with, you know, I'm 34, so with wrestling, it's, it's about experiences. And 
there's not many jobs where you can go to Japan and they fly you out there and put you in hotels no. and go all over the country <laughs> and you get paid. Like, it's yeah. insane. I think, you think I can make money doing this wrestling and, and see all these different countries. It's crazy. Did you did you envisage that like right back at the beginning? I mean, it's probably a daft question to ask because it's it's must no. be a dream for every wrestler. But did you ever think that you'd get to that point? No, not when you're a farm boy in Devon. No. <laughs> you just think I'm going to run the farm or something. Yeah. I mean, I'm just being this mud all my life. So <laughs> what was yeah, your... no, you can't. I mean, it's crazy to think. What did your family think when you first told them that you you wanted to get into it? Did they kind of? try to brush it aside or, or were they were they supportive no my, I'm, you know i'm really lucky i've got really really good parents and they're supportive and whatever i want to do you know they're just they're, mm. that kind of people but my dad was a, he's a big rugby fan he plays a lot of rugby too so i think when i stopped playing rugby i imagine he would have liked me to have kept playing um mm. i think the wrestling they just didn't understand it they're obviously not wrestling fans so they got no idea really yeah. what it was and uh, my first show was in my second match was in credits in town hall and i Took them along to it, and like a fat little sixteen-year-old kid, and we do an injury angle where I get a pile, take a pile driver, and meant to break my neck, and I can't be in the six-man main event. But right, my, I guess my selling back then was pretty good because my mum believed it completely and started ringing the ambulance, trying to break into the changing room, stuff up, and calling the ambulance. So they they didn't like that. But I, I mean, I, that's when I you know you've done Noah. it right. You know. Yeah, I worked for Noah in two thousand and eight. 2009 maybe Coventry Skydome um so that's a lot of people it's like three or four thousand people mm. and I got them some tickets to come and watch that in Coventry and I think they said so they've told me before that when they sat there and watched that you know and it was me and Naoki in the opener sort of 20 minute draw and they were like okay yeah no this is, this is all right you know you did you know what you're doing out there and uh yeah you know we're kind of gonna get behind you but then yeah obviously being able to probably the best memory of my wrestling career was calling my dad when I got signed to a contract with America and Sort of in the O2 in London, just give them a call on the phone and say, right, they offered me a contract. You know, it was good money. And yeah. that's like a real good memory for me because it's it's not in any way a sort of up yours to my parents because they're great no, parents. It's yeah. just kind of me just validating the fact that I'd done all these sort of stupid drives to all these different towns in England and been back in the middle of the night. And, mm. you know, my hip body was pretty messed up, I guess, from wrestling already. And mm. it was just showing them that it was worth it. And I, I was quite good at this and I could yeah. get somewhere. That's brilliant. Oh, brilliant. No. And they're, they're supportive, but it's just, you know, the injuries and yeah, stuff like that real to worry about, you know, and like yeah. my memories, it, it may not be from wrestling, but, you know, I don't remember a lot of my early childhood and stuff. And I, mm. I can't, there's a lot of things my parents will ask me about family holiday. And I just don't, I really can't remember any of that stuff. I try, but, mm. you know, I, I know I've had a few concussions and uh, there's a lot of sort of hard hits that I've taken and stuff. And, yeah. that sort of worries me a little bit but and that's the hard bit I think with, with you know like I've got a kid like it's mm. it's difficult you know to to see yeah. your kid sort of taking that kind of impact and stuff and mm. be supportive is quite hard but yeah. they know I'm happy and I enjoy it and you know when I send them a picture of some cherry blossom tree to my mum from Japan you know it's <laughs> it's quite cool like they, they, they appreciate that you know that I've had all these opportunities. They're seeing the world through through your eyes, really. I know it's cliche, but yeah, but they're know. just their parents, and they're just yeah, they all you know what parents are like they worry about yeah. where you're going to be in ten Definitely. years, not doing that. <laughs> yeah. I suppose the good thing is, is, is in this day and age, there's a lot more awareness of the injury, you know, particularly head injuries, things like that, the things that can happen to you as a wrestler. Whereas 
back before you know 70s 80s even the 90s you just kind yeah. of did loads of crazy stuff without really knowing what was going to happen oh sure but yeah. even now like in england and you know i wrestle with some people and it might be a, a little village hall somewhere and yeah. 60 people in the crowd and they want to do some move off the top rope to the floor or something and you're kind of going and it's not being lazy. People might think no. it's lazy, but it's not. And you just go, I really don't want to take anything unnecessary because, you know, I, I want to play football with my kid, you know, when I'm older. I don't want to be hobbing around on crutches. No. And you just got to pick your time to do certain things and be a little bit smart with what you're doing in the ring. Yeah. Because it doesn't take much in that wrestling ring and you can be in big, big trouble. You know, one bad landing and you're in big trouble. So you've got to be a little bit careful what you're doing. Yeah, especially like you say, any show, you know, yeah, even if it's a village hall or, you know, yeah, yeah. Stage that, and that comes with the gym, like, you know, yeah, just a lot of maybe guys nowadays aren't, don't, aren't training like they should be doing because mm. you haven't got to train like a bodybuilder, but you need to be physically fit mm. and you need to be agile and flexible and yeah. you need to have a strong neck and things, you know, it's all important stuff to have because you've got to just think about the future and mm. making sure your health's still there in the future. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's let's talk about the present and the future. And so, what are you up to now? Obviously, like I say, you're still you're still active in the ring. Um, I mean, are you, are you looking? For, have you been able to do any shows? Have you done any kind of shows with very few or no fans? Or are you? Is this yeah. going to be the first point for you to go back out and perform in front of people? I've done quite a lot of shows for um, Rev Pro with Epic Encounters stuff. There's no audience just in the warehouse down there. So done a few of those. Um, I did a show out in Malta again with no crowds. It was back in last September or something. So I went to, one of my friends from all Japan runs a company in Malta anyway, so he always brings me out there, which is okay. very nice because it's like a nice little five days. He puts me in the beach house on outside. Nice. You know, you can't, you can't fold it really. No. So I did that and I did a tour for Butlins um, for NGW last October, which is all sort of very social distance and yeah. COVID tests and bubbles and stuff. And uh, that was really cool because I was in front of the crowd, so I'd get that in front of the crowd. So I have been pretty active. I run a wrestling school in Salisbury too, so I've been able to get on the mats with the boys here, and uh, we've been practicing some stuff and doing a lot of conditioning. I teach at Rev Pro in Portsmouth, teach oh, their okay. wrestling club down there too. So I've been in a ring, but you know, I can't wait to get back at it. My first show is at the end of the month, um, Haven Holiday Parks for All Star. Oh, cool. Then through June, I'm every Saturday and Sunday we we booked up with shows for All Star and. Yeah. It's looking looking good. I don't know if I'm going to get abroad much this year um, no. with the COVID, but for definitely for England, there's a lot of shows coming up. That's brilliant. We'll brilliant. see what happens. Everyone's dying to get out there and uh, and get back at it, but yeah, this is the time. Like I tell the boys that I teach, then they're all active wrestlers. I don't have any beginners. They're all um, they're all people that are wrestling on shows already, and they just come here and do conditioning for an hour and an hour an hour sort of mat wrestling. And okay. the conditioning we do is, is brutal, and you just got. To, shout at them you know, no one else is working this hard so no one else is doing this you know let's no. let's come back and be the best this is the this is the opportunity now where people haven't wrestled for a year yeah where maybe if you weren't top of the pack this is your chance now to just leapfrog people because there's a lot of people that would have been taking it easy for a year yeah. and, and not really bothering so if you can put the work in now and come back better than them you know, yeah definitely. you can jump up the queue so i think it's hopefully I was gonna say, feel free, give a plug for any of the shows that you've got coming up. You know, because I, I got you know people all over the country listen to this, so you never know. You may be landing in someone's hometown or close to them, and then get out oh, to see you. Need my, 
I would, I would need a diary. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> That's always a place, good so sign. That's always a good sign. Place. I'll be at Rev Pro shows that are coming up. I think they've got a tag team awesome. coming up, so I'll be there. I'll be. Um, I'm not going to be at the Reach shows in July. I'm, I'm busy, but I'll, uh, the next shows after that, I'll be back at Reach down in Plymouth. So if you're in Devon and you want to watch good wrestling, go down to there. Um, and then I'm, I'm full-time for All-Star. So, you know, awesome. any All-Star show you see, uh, town show, good chance I'm going to be there, you know, and, they're the best. So if you want to come watch a good pro wrestling show and come watch all-star wrestling, you can't go wrong. So. There you go. Thank you for yeah. that. Ideal. I'll definitely, definitely keep an eye out next time you're down here. Uh, yeah. So you yeah. should definitely come down to the ring shows. I think you'd, think you'd really enjoy it. Mm. Um, it's a good, yeah, you see some people that you probably haven't seen wrestle before and uh, yeah, I think you'll be really surprised at how good they are. It's a really good company, you know, and they run it really well and the shows are great and yeah, yeah. I can't, can't say enough good stuff about them. So I really, really encourage you to attend them. What's the, just just very quickly, what is the what is it like in the shows where you've you've done the matches that you've done without a crowd? Do you, do you is it any different for you or you know is it it's brutal? Or? I just I just see it as training. I just think, you know, it's it's just a cardio session. It beats a yeah. treadmill, you know. I don't yeah. I'd rather do that than one on a treadmill. So I just yeah. It's a sweat session, but yeah, it's it is brutal. Yeah. Um I mean I love wrestling, but Without an audience, it's, it, yeah. things hurt a lot more. You know, when you've got the crowd, and you've got and the crowd are getting up and they're getting hot, and yeah. you can really, I know it sounds silly and all the rest of it is the same. It's hard to realize unless you do it, but you really can feed off that energy. The crowd mm -hmm. are really into the match. Things are just, they don't hurt, and it's just so much fun. Yeah. So, without that interaction with the crowd, it is, it is like a training sounds, match, you know? Yeah. But it, it's good to be in the ring. It's good to be current and be active. So, yeah. It's all good. I've got a couple of final questions. This is kind of just yeah, almost cool. just having a little bit of fun in a way. The first one, I um, I only realised when I was preparing for this or when I was flicking through social media earlier on, when this goes out, which will be on Wednesday, that date will actually be the 25-year 20, anniversary of the curtain call incident in uh, mm -hmm. Madison Square Garden. What's, what was, what's your take on that, just very quickly, your opinion on that people talk about that incident as being pivotal for you know sending for, for whatever happened after that in the wrestling industry and really shaping it for like the last 20 years or so what what is your opinion is it was it as big a deal as people make out having i think it's unprofessional i think it would have been unprofessional you know mm. i think that is an unprofessional thing to do i think for me when you're a wrestler it's uh, you just you're working for the promoter it's like any job you know doesn't matter where you work, you've got a boss normally, and yeah. you're working for your boss. If your boss tells you to do something, you do it. You yeah. don't do the opposite, you know. And if your boss says, don't go out there and celebrate his mates in the ring, you don't yeah. go out there and celebrate his mates in the ring. It's just the guy just paying your wage. So yeah. I think it'd be, uh, I don't think anyone could say it wasn't unprofessional. You know, it's not a good thing no. to do. No. I don't know. I don't, I just, I'm not a fan of the social media stuff. And I don't, you know, like Instagram, for example. I, yeah. I will, I should use it more, but I just think like, I don't want to know what John Cena's eating for breakfast. You know, like, I want to see him wrestle on the, on the TV. I don't need to see what no. he's, when he's having a bath. Like, it you know what I mean? It's just, I'm totally it's just weird to me. Yeah. It's true, isn't it? You know, it, is. it breaks down that, again, what they think, did that night, I suppose, just break down that wall, doesn't it? Between, um, yeah, I think when people were like, you know, back in the 80s or something, you didn't want to see, Sylvester Stallone pissed up in a bar. You want no. to see Rocky Balboa in the movies. Like, a, <laughs> you know, it just kills the magic a little bit. It does. I think it's kind of affected it 
in a good way sometimes and then in a negative way a lot as well yeah. sort of social media but it's a shame but it is it shapes everything these days unfortunately doesn't it you can't move without something being yeah, documented. yeah. And, um, yeah. and sometimes it's good to know that speaking out stuff that happens is good you know to, to yeah. let people know what's been going on and get rid of some people but at the same time sometimes a lot of people have there's a lot of opinions shared that maybe aren't that valid yeah. you know so you kind of got to take everything with a pinch of salt really into it yeah yeah everyone's, it's proven everyone's got an opinion not always the right one but they'll always get airtime if they've got their finger on the button you know yeah yeah exactly. and i think a lot of wrestling sort of really pander towards it too which is unusual to me it's a bit odd you know kind of just be a good person and be a good wrestler you don't need yeah. to Show pander too much on social media all the time like no but you know there you go. My, my goal when I wrestled was to be kind of respected by the boys. You know, I always thought, okay. yeah, I'd love to be, have the boys think that he's a good wrestler, you know, whether the yeah. crowd thought you were good, you know, obviously yeah. you want that because you want to get booked again, but you kind of wanted people in the changing room to say, oh, yeah, he's, he's yeah. decent, you know, he's, he's a good wrestler. And yeah. I remember me and James Mason in the car once we were driving back from the show and I sort of said to James, like, uh, I love the fact that people think I'm a good wrestler, but my bank account, isn't changing you know it's not showing in my bank and James said exactly the same thing to me when I feel exactly the same way and everyone sees James as the best wrestler in Europe but right he was made he was scratching to make a living I think it's yeah it's weird how social media works you know like if yeah you can be really good but if you're not active on that social media you're not on shows that have that attention with social media you don't yeah. get to the other big companies and yeah which again is changing the face of even you know this industry I think because you yeah. wouldn't have thought 10 years ago that it would play such a part in yeah, yeah. But, 100%. You know. I went to all Japan the first tour I did there people were like saying Joel Revan hadn't wrestled for four years since his NXT run I was like well I've been doing <laughs> 200 plus shows a year for All Star yeah. but they're just there's Stand no internet there. exposure they're not on the internet so no one knows about it so in these fans eyes I hadn't wrestled for four years I've just been sat at home amazing just crazy you know they, they, they think then that yeah exactly they they know so many, uh, what do they call them, like, yeah, armchair quarterbacks, do they call them or something? Basically people that just view yeah, yeah. think they know everything about it. And uh, yeah. Yeah, sure. Right, one final question. I like to do this with some of the guests, actually. It, it's along the same kind of lines, but I, I'm always intrigued by the answers that come out. So you've obviously, you've, you've, you've graced the ring. You've been near the WWE, personally. Um, if you were given the chance to uh, have one match at a WrestleMania, any era, past, present, in the future, whatever, who would you have wanted to face if you had just that one chance? Uh, from a wrestling standpoint, it'd be Benoit, you know, obviously, because that's who I looked up to when I was a kid. Um, whether I could hang with him, I don't you know. He would have been amazing to have been able to get in a ring with him. Yeah. But I guess, you know, as a fan, you could be The Rock, I think, like The Rock in his prime. Mm. To be able to stand the other side of the ring would have been pretty yeah. surreal wouldn't it i imagine you can imagine the goosebumps if you're standing yeah. opposite the rings of the rock so i think that would probably be the one wouldn't it? what just out of interest what year would that be if you had to put the rock at his peak that you would have wanted to be in the ring with him sort of what, what i reckon like late 2000s maybe okay 2001 that sort of era yeah, yeah. probably around that time brilliant but I, I liked it when he came back as a villain. You know, I thought he was better when he came back as a Hollywood rock. Yeah, I remember that. He did a match with Hogan at No Way Out or something with it. And did the WrestleMania match and then did a rematch the next year yeah. at No Way Out. And with and I just remember that entrance, insane. Yeah, and he comes out and the booze in yeah. the arena was crazy. The amount of heat he had, but that was really even, cool. 
even though that angle, you know, that kind of character had already been done to death with Hollywood Hogan. Um, mm. It just shows how much he pulled off anything that he did, any yeah, any right. angle they wanted to give him. You know, they, yeah, they could make amazing. people believe in it. So, yeah, good call. It's good just call. They're different different levels from those guys, you know. Yeah. The work ethic and stuff was a different level, you know. Yeah. I'm a big fan of reading the books, you know. I love reading all biographies. And yeah, the, Rock's, the Rock's a particularly good one, but even if you read that, is you know, his work ethic was insane. Like, he just worked so hard to be, to be the best. And it shows because he's still... You know, I know a lot of them have dabbled in Hollywood and that, and people would argue that his films aren't that great. I think he's done really well because I, I think quite, he's a good actor. Yeah, yeah I, I quite like watching them. Yeah, even my missus rolls her eyes at some before, but then we sat down and watched them. It's actually, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. everyone knows who he is, though, don't they? Like, yeah, there's no one in the world that doesn't know who he is. Like, it's no. unbelievable. And play- it's great that he's still. He's still there with wrestling. He's not sort of yeah. turned his back on wrestling and being ashamed by it. He's really supportive no. of it. And- yeah. He does come back every now and again and stuff. So that's really good. At the end of the day, that's what got him there, you know, regardless of what exactly, he is yeah. now. Yeah. He respects that, which is really cool. Yeah. Listen, Joel, this has been amazing, mate. Thank you so, so much um, for, right. for spending time with us on this Sunday evening or Wednesday by yeah, the time yeah. this goes out. But uh, no, you know, all the best with, with everything you've got coming up. It's, it's great that you're still, you know, you're still so busy. And um, I will definitely be catching you next time you're down this way. You know, a bit of a hotel yeah, well, crowd. Like so. I say, come along, come along to a reach show, and uh, mm. we can meet in person. And That'd be cool. Have a yeah. chat with a few of the boys there and stuff, and uh, yeah, it'd be good to get you involved with the company a bit or something. That'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah anything yeah. like Thanks that. Awesome. Time. Okay, mate. Ideal, ladies and gentlemen, Joel Redman. Thank you so much again, mate. No problems. Thank you for listening to a Nerd to Know Media production.